When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Supported by The Gelded End, the number one Leeds United memorabilia site. Visit thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome back. It's us again, the next part of this mammoth two-part comeback podcast. It's probably the shortest gap between podcasts we've ever done. The positivity will just keep flowing. (laughs) We didn't want to break it up. Well, in this bit, let's talk about the state of the nation, how things are. Now, uh, we have our takeover has been complete, because last time we spoke, it had just happened, hadn't hadn't it? And we're now, you know, some weeks, quite a number of weeks further down the line. Yeah, it's that point where they'd announced it was going to happen on the 21st of December. And we are now past that. We're in a different year. These things happen. How do we all feel about it now? The state the club's in. Uh, it's hard to obviously separate out the whole Warnock football transfers side of things, but um, let's do our best. I mean, it got a little bit wobbly towards the end, didn't it? The end of the negotiations. Well, whatever the whatever mysterious process was going on behind the scenes that allowed GFH Capital to actually buy things. Because um, we talked about... Um, Ken and Sean's little Christmas act that almost seemed calculated to create doubts because there was, it was all, there's going to be an announce, a proper announcement in the Bolton game program. And everyone's like, well, we thought this was all done. What's to announce? Why are you making jokes about unrelentlessly seeking investment? <laughs> and then when it was, uh, fucking hell. And Charlie Sale, the, uh, <laughs> male journalist who's always had a bit of a him and ken have always been a bit spiky towards each other he had the story that gfh had missed a payment and things were under under threat and then adam pope at the bbc had a story the same day that ken had been trying to change the deal at the 11th hour and was asking for more money the 11th hour is about the fucking 27th hour <laughs> but it's so you had these two stories on the same day and you're wondering they must both have got them from somewhere they can't have just invented them so somebody, so messages were going around saying things weren't right. And then on the morning it was all due. We had, uh, Salem Patel 
classy to the last putting out that tweet saying, oh yeah, uh, Duncan Castles is right, everything's collapsed. Ha ha ha, just <laughs> kidding, going to get the keys, we've bought Leeds United, up up yours. No Mark journalist that nobody really cares about, but I really sure, and it's also, that didn't quite sit right with me. I Mind remember. you, I hate Duncan Castles as well. Oh yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, it's fine, but just... Uh, Duncan Lorimer Castles. Mm-hmm, just, uh, just buy the club, don't worry about poking a journalist on your way past. So that was all a bit odd. But then we had the press conference. We all wondered what Sean Harvey was doing there. But they said a lot of a lot of reasonably positive things. Well, there's no Ken there. Positive things. No Ken there. That did make a difference. Because that press conference was all about the future. Not, yes. the, not looking back. <coughs> the future. And our future is President Ken. <laughs> and Sean Harvey, Sean the chief Harvey. exec. President of the football board. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that, won't we? Not the board. The football board. Mm. That's a new thing. And not the club. Yeah. No, and there was always the intriguing thing that it was only the statement on the LeedsUnited.com yeah. website that said Ken will be kept on as chairman at the end of the season and then become president of the universe. Whereas on the GFH website, it was pretty much exactly the same statement, except the bits about Ken becoming president of his local working men's club were left off. Omitted. Because you said on the last podcast, actually, Moscow, you said you wonder who created the statement and was there a bit edited in yeah. at Leeds United's end or was there a bit edited out at GFH's end? And it's, yeah, it's hard. It, and it's still kind of hard to tell. Because Ken's gone. I mean, he, he has shut up. He had his, he had his, uh, a couple of last sort of hurrahs. There was the, the Sean Harvey thing <laughs> and then he had the Bolton game, but there were just more random digs at everybody. But although, then, the, although the Bolton one it did seem to be something of a retrospective, didn't it? It was kind of a... I look back over his glorious tenure. <laughs> yeah. This is what me and Susie have done, and we did this and that and the other. and Yeah, and then uh, they just sort of quietly disappeared. And then, so that's that's good. It's, he's definitely less involved than he was. Let's just hope it wasn't his money propping us up all along, because um, that would be a... If it turned out that he was, he'd actually been the uh, mystery benefactor that kept this club... He did save us after all. Well, no, he did. He he sold us. Well, he he sold us so many times that he saved us. The Daily Mail story that we briefly referred to that was in the week in the lead up to the Chelsea game where they had the horrendous article about Gary Cooper of the Sports Trust. But then that was at the bottom of a page where the same journalist had done the interview with Ken Bates with that whole stuff about, I looked into Susanna's eyes and I took her hand and said, I've got to save that club for the fans. And you could tell, I mean, that that was absolutely the truth because a journalist as rigorous as the Daily Mail's Neil Ashton, who referred to, uh, referred to Susanna Bates as, um, what did he call her? Charming. Charming was Susanna, I think. And Chelsea's long-term press officer from Ken's days as adorable. I always like to hear a press officer of, uh, one of the uh, rival clubs. That your chairman used to used to own described as adorable in a a, a rigorous piece of journalism. That's but not it's not sycophantic at all, is it? No, not at all. Um, I did enjoy. I think it might have been Adam Jubb, in fact, of of the podcast who uh, magazine. <laughs> he's been on the podcast. He's been on the podcast. He wasn't very good. <laughs> he uh, tweeted Neil Ashton saying after reading the interview, he had a, and I watched the Human Centipede, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> It was awful. If you haven't heard of the, the human centipede, it's, it's look up, look it up. I don't yeah. want to describe it on this podcast. But he's not going to be in the program anymore, so that's good. We can only assume the the radio thing has gone as well. Yeah, um, if only it had gone completely. Imagine a fryless world. <laughs> 
I don't, I've no, I've no desire to see anyone lose their job apart from Ben Fry, Neil Warnock, and Michael Brown. <laughs> Those three are not gonna. Can you just jot that down in your petty grievances book? Moscow? Those three are not gonna be uh, volume two. Not gonna be massively changing the unemployment figures in Britain. Right. And and most people who get made redundant in the in the current climate don't deserve to be. Those three do. <laughs> There's 4,300 people trying to scratch an honest living selling CDs for HMV. Come and run a radio station. You'd probably better music if uh, if some checkout bod off of the tills at HMV came and took over Yorkshire Radio. I'd listen to that. Ben Fry's not on. <laughs> All the better. Should I stick my CV in and go for it? I've done a bit of work in radio. Station director. That would be, yeah. We'd uh, we'd we'd back you all the way, and then as soon as you took over, and we'd uh, you'd absolutely destroy me, wouldn't you? Yep, yep absolutely, yep, yep, absolutely good. So one thing we have seen then from the takeover is, is re-engagement. Um, they launched the Twitter account as one of their first manoeuvres, much to the relief and and endorsement of the Leeds fans. Something mm-hmm. we've we've championed, just straightforward communication. Some would say it's a very, very, very obvious thing, which everybody else has done. Every other <laughs> business, football club, tiny corner shop, band. Everybody in the world basically has had a Twitter account. Well, do you remember? For years. I've just remembered this myself a long time ago when our commercial director, Paul Bell, formerly of uh, the very successful financially Portsmouth FC, turned up on Twitter on a Friday night and said, uh, Where do you get your Leeds United news from? Do you get it from Facebook, Twitter, the official website? And I went in and said, well, We don't have a Twitter account or a Facebook account. So it's not from there. And he went, Oh, you negative Nancy. <laughs> And it kind yeah, of just because we don't have one doesn't mean you yeah. can't get information from it. And it, it elevated to us having a an argument where I was basically saying Lee, it would probably be a good idea. I said Arsenal have got a million followers or something ridiculous on Twitter. Don't you think that's a useful it's tool? More, isn't it like more uh, like but, nine or ten million? And he, he he was coming back. Well, Man United don't have one. So like every other club in the Premier League has got one. All right, Man United think they're a special case and they can get by without one because they've got they just. But they, 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 ha- they print their own money in Alex Ferguson's garage. It is worth saying as well that Man United have something like 40 trillion likes on Facebook. So yes. they have another outlet that they choose to focus on. But it's just having this massive outlet where he's just like, well, why don't Man United have one? So, well, why not ask why all these other clubs have one? And it is that light bulb has obviously been screwed back in at Elland Road where it is. It's just perfectly obvious. Like, every other club's got Twitter accounts. Fucking Andy Hughes has got a Twitter account. <laughs> Why the hell don't we have a Twitter? Yes, and now we do, and now now we can enjoy um, Mick Jones being described as an ass man um, on the official. The, the joy of only having 140 characters to play with. Ass man, come on, bum boy, Mick Jones. What's homophobic, isn't it? That's a bit, a bit below the belt. I wasn't saying it's a bad thing if that's what he likes. And there's, there's, he likes all bums. Yeah, he's an equal opportunity bum fancier. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, we of course, also had the email address, uh, which they received four and a half thousand replies at. Have uh, they replied it? to anybody yet? It was it not? We are leads at gfhcapital.com. Something um, like that. Yeah, and they got lots of suggestions, and they seem to have taken a number of them on board particularly in the realms of discounted tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, half-season half season tickets, of course, offered, which was something we championed. Unfortunately, they are, they are exactly in line with the ridiculous fucking season ticket prices anyway. Well, um, that's, that's not their fault, though, really. No, they had, to, they had to do it in order to not piss off the existing yeah. season tickets. And holders, you've got to say the, uh, the stuff with the cheap tickets coming up for the Peterborough and... The half-term period, which isn't it? Whichever other term. game. They've put in the small print that said... Uh, 
um, the reduced prices on these will be reflected in season ticket renewals. So sort of recognising that people might feel they're being shortchanged, but something will be done yeah, to make sure... Yeah, you'll get 10 or 20 quid off your, your season ticket. Yeah, so they're Good. obviously aware of it. And in a way, I mean, it was always... We've, I'm sure we've had this discussion here where at some point it was just going to be a bit of a burn for loyal fans. We're going to get kind of shortchanged at one point when ticket prices, yeah. if ever, dropped. There was going to be that kind of... That would need... You're just going to have to swallow it, basically. And, and it, it boils back down to, do you want to see a stadium full of 30, 30-odd thousand yeah. people? Or do you want to see it with 18, 17, 16,000 in? And I think, ultimately, no matter what your gripes are, you know that the answer is a full Ellen Road. I mean, there, yeah. are, there are three season ticket holders here now, and do any of us care even slightly? that kids are going to get in for a fiver for two games. As long as they wash my car. Well, I, think, <laughs> I think the problem is Bates thinks of everything as he would, and he would see it and go, kids get in for a fiver, free ride. I had a club foot and a dead mother when I was a child. <laughs> when you see the groans that meet every kind of low sub-20,000 attendance, you can't somehow imagine that if the, if it was suddenly 30,000 Elland Road again, you'd have 18,000 and going, well, they've not paid full price. You. No, How much did you pay? No, but we're not, there, we're not that no, bad. There is a degree of that, of the finger pointing at the East Stand Upper whenever we get one of these cup ties, like when we got Tottenham on Sunday, people go, oh, bloody, where, where were you when we were shit? But it's like, yeah, this, this happens. It's, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what Gar- is Gary Greaves' article in the new issue, isn't it, basically? Stand saying, up for plastics, yeah. yeah but these are the people we need to win back. And, mm-hmm. and it's not so, like it's the same six, five, six thousand people that go in the East Stand Upper and they're just the five or six thousand. Mm. It's from a fan base of many more thousands, isn't it? And we're at the point now where it's not people... It's not people, like the people who went to the Chelsea game and all come to the Spurs game aren't people who only turn up to big Leeds games. It's got to be a percentage of them. We just don't go to Leeds games and never have. But they like football because they like Tottenham. I hope for their sakes that they don't like Chelsea. But we'll actually go to Ellen's Road and try a you know, big game. And maybe they'll they'll like the Leeds and they'll come back and watch it every week and say, say I'm, I'm, that brownie, God, he makes Lampard look... look <laughs> Oh, quick! Yeah, I uh, I've been reading. I got for Christmas, you know, the book Soconomics, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of the Moneyball but for football kind of thing. And it, um, I've just actually only last night read a bit that says football fans are actually their behaviours statistically are much more like consumers than you realise. All this kind of uh, you go because you've got to get behind the team, which is exactly what Rich Lindley in our current magazine, uh, he has a, a gripe at the people who say we should get behind the team blindly. Yeah. And actually, people don't. People do act like consumers when there's something to get behind, such as when we were, even when we were in League One, people are ready to get behind it because it's a, a mission to get back up and we were mm-hmm. pushing for that end of the table. But when we've stagnated like we have now, people will just drift away. This is a problem as well with having so few season ticket holders because I think we were down at least a couple of thousand on last year which from an already quite low base. That we think we're down to about are we down to about eight thousand now? Something like that, yeah. yeah eight so nine, yeah. when it comes to the like a game on Saturday, like Bristol, if I didn't have a season ticket, which I'd bought last year, twenty year season ticket. Yeah. Well, yeah, you but, fucking idiot. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you most people who have a ticket for this year will have renewed last January or whatever stupid time it was. If you hadn't bought that, I can't honestly say that I would have bought a ticket for that Bristol game, knowing how we had been playing. I wouldn't have looked at it and thought, "Ooh, twenty-eight quid! I can't mm, wait." Mm. Excellent, or whatever, whatever price, whatever price it was, it would not have appealed because it was cack. I, was, I went there and they sell the magazine, and I went into the stadium because I was there. Effectively, and I have, and I happened to have a ticket in my pocket. I didn't look forward to the game at all, and my expectations were perfectly met. Before the game, we were selling the magazine, and the guy from Cornish Whites came up to us and wanted a shout out for the podcast. So 
shout out to Carlos Schweitz. <laughs> Arr. They, uh, <laughs> right. More racism. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and they set off at five o'clock for every home game. And we were saying that we can't be asked setting off half an hour before the game <laughs> to come down and then make that trip. But that, that's just half the problem, isn't it? You know, you do tend to find, uh, maybe I'm generalising here, but why not? That these far-flung fans are the ones that are kind of propping us up a little yeah. bit at the moment because Leeds has always had a fair, fairly transient support in the city itself, hasn't it's it? Because it's that commitment. Well, if you're coming from a long way, you you're committing to it, and it becomes more of a it's a ritual, isn't it? It's yeah, like, and if you think, I mean, a lot of people who say you should unconditionally support the team, which is Richard's article, unconditional support, whatever happens, be there. Saturday afternoon or Sunday evening or Tuesday night, be there behind the lads. That's was a perfectly reasonable attitude when it was in Oddie's day, like tuppence happening to go and stand in the boys' pen. Yeah, or put your penny, penny farthing out the back of the low field. Yeah. You could just get a tram down to uh, Elland Road. <laughs> fucking biting. And just, <laughs> and just pay on the gate and pay, pay whatever, pay a couple of quid and you'd go in and you see a football match and it didn't really matter. Now, when it is £30 a game, it's so much easier to just go, I'm not paying 30 quid for this. And it's um, that's why I think a lot of the, with the FA Cup attendance, when it was down to, what was it, it was about six people went, and everyone's going, oh, how can we rekindle the magic of the FA Cup? Stop charging £30 for every single league game so that when a completely unappetising, boring-looking third-round tie like Birmingham at home comes up, You've actually got some money left to go. You know what? I'll take a chance. It's so the third round of the FA Cup. Yeah. yeah, I'll I'll just go down. And there's a, a lot to be said about the fact that, especially at Leeds, especially under Bates, the ticket prices have milked people to the point where if it's not good enough anymore, just don't go. I mean, I know it's it's dead easy to poke Bates with a stick, but oh, not it, easy it's only enough. Worth. Well. The thing is, his whole model built around screwing every last penny out of every last av- avenue in order to prop up these shit-building projects, completely ne- neglects to take into account the fact that you spend all your money on this shit and you've milked these poor people dry, built these facilities ready for the Premier League or whatever, and there's no chance ever of fulfilling it and getting into the Premier League. No. And filling those facilities, it's completely... It's, it's the absolute vicious circle, isn't it? And we are now paying the price of those policies by having a terrible... Terrible product. There's no value at Ellen Road, is there? It's a terrible product. Well, it's going back to the entertainment thing you mentioned earlier. It's been sold as entertainment at £30 a pop, yeah. but when it's shit, it's been then resold as sport and yeah. we grind out. You have to on. go. Yeah. You're a Leeds fan. It's in your blood. You have to go there or else £30, yeah. pounds, please. And with all yeah. of these new facilities as well that we've built, how, how impressed would a client have been if you had taken them along to Leeds against Birmingham in yeah. the Cup to hey. watch a cack game played out in front of an empty stadium? You're not going to think, oh, what a treat. Yeah, exactly. I'll buy into yeah, this. Well, the, that, thing, the, that thing that underpins it, the thing that underpins it all is a good football team, and that's what Bates always overlooked. Now, yeah. hopefully, these new guys, to bring it back to them. That's that lamb shank about. was delicious. I've got my complimentary match programme, and I've just met Ian Baird. Fantastic. Let's now go my, and see My it. lamb shank has been ruined by a game, <laughs> a game of football. Yeah, sitting there wandering out onto the terrace. I mean, even, even though the oh, lads... Oh, Michael Brown's playing. <laughs> even though the, uh, the guys... Talking are, of lamb shank. Even though the guys at GFH do seem fairly green when it comes to football, at least they are listening. They don't seem like complete sociopaths, which helps. <laughs> which is a start, which, which Ken was. And maybe they can come at it from a business angle and, you know, they are engaging lots of people and finding out, you know, what mm-hmm. people want in order to entice them back and they're hopefully listening to these emails that they're getting about the prices of it and hopefully can build a model that's economically viable. I mean, that's the one kind of 
worry, and this sounds so ungrateful, but it's just for the future good of the club, is when we know that the last set of accounts from June that Leeds United Sports Trust kind of went through with a fine tooth comb that most people have available and just published and said, this is how it was in June, effectively, when we thought Bates, when, you know, Bates started negotiating to sell, and this is why, was that there is debt and cash flow problems and, and gaps and holes that need filling and money that needs finding to keep the club afloat. And we see the, the only reason the club is still in business because it's sold players, otherwise it would have just, you know, it just it would have gone. And so when the new guys come in and the attendances are down to 18,000 and the, they really have no choice but to cut the prices, it's immediately makes it more difficult to find the money they need to keep the club going. And it's kind of, I do hope that their, their maths work out. And it does sound in, in immensely ungrateful to see it. Reduce the prices. Aren't you going to make less money? We need money. Idiots. Pull them back up. Um, it's just, I, I well, hope it's, it's about they're going to work it's it out. It's about striking a balance, isn't yeah. it? It's about making it more attractive on the pitch and making the prices more attractive. And also, the thing, one things they can do, which will instantly save them money, are if they come in and say, right, we're not going to... Ben Fry? We're, we're not going to... Yeah. out. Yorkshire Radio that's lost... 1.66 to date. There you go. Million. That's, there you go, that's money saved. Ken's legal yeah. bills for the year, million quid, call them. Well, I think yeah. it, uh, let's, round them, let's round them to a million. Million well, quid well, the saved. Well, West, the Western Lovely. case, two million, I think, to date, something like that, chasing 190 grand. But it's Excellent. a point of principle. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Just and people love out. to read about it if in the programme. If things like that, that straight away saves us money. Yeah, which can then be spent on cutting that's, the tickets. That's £3.66 million, pounds, yeah. is that? Robert Snodgrass, put it another way. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is, it is worth saying as well with the, the lust analysis of the of the figures that the stuff that was technically painted as debt, for example, people have picked out as a criticism that we owe still uh, 400 and, sorry, 4.75 million. If we go up before mm. 2017, we have to pay out 5 million pounds. Now, for whatever reason, we've already paid a quarter of a million of that, which leaves the 4.75. Now, off that would be offset against the 60, 70 million pounds we would get from the Premier League. Mm. However, it has to be shown for accounting purposes. Yeah. But it's not a debt that is sat there like the sword of Damocles hanging over the club. So it's worth just balancing it with that. Mm. My my thought with that was though, if you were coming in to buy a football club and you could buy one that you could get promoted and keep all of the money that you get from being promoted, or there was one that you could get promoted and you had to give a small proportion, but I wish I had four and three quarter million quid to just go, ah, I've got I've got sixty five other million quid to I think you'd probably just, well. I'll just go for the one where I get to keep all the money. So it's kind of it was. It is something that definitely it's it's a present an existent thing. And also my, I mean, I know fuck all about finances, but also the fact that we paid off a quarter of a million of it a season or two ago. Is there something in there where they just say actually, yeah, we'll have another half million of it now? I don't know. So I mean, it's a present thing. It's there. And for example, there's the four million pounds there, which went to Lutonville Holdings, which surprise, surprise, was <coughs> ultimately controlled by Ken, wasn't it? And that's another thing that kind of got sort of dismissed by a lot of people. It's oh well, that'll have been paid off, right? So where did the four million quid come yeah, to it's pay? It's four million that has to be accounted for. That's the yes. point. Yeah. And even it's oh yeah. well, the new owners will have paid that debt. It's like right, so they it's had four million pounds less that we have to. Yeah, they had to give it to Ken Bates, who's and- never taken a penny out of the club. And who and they could have kept it and either just kept it and enjoyed it themselves or spent it on our football team. So it's it's an amount of money that just had to go elsewhere. It's worth saying as well that the that three point two million preference shares that became four million pounds 
Um, so 800 grand went to one of Ken's companies mm. as a result of that. There was also admin costs of £151,000. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of admin. That's three grand a week. That's, I've seen that's... jobs for admin assistants, and they tend to get paid about 15 grand yeah. a year. <laughs> Have you seen how much Sean Harvey spends on socks? They're not cheap socks. They're not very hard wearing, admittedly, and so also, he has to buy a lot of them. Presumably a lot of these... We've paid for the pipes, now it's Sean Harvey's socks <laughs> and the of, rabbits at Thorpe Arch. A lot of admin costs on something like that, you would presume are like lawyers checking out the deal, making sure it's all right and things. <laughs> Ken's lending money to himself and he still doesn't trust himself <laughs> to not rip himself off. It's good. Like, Look over this paperwork, he's a dodgy customer. And that is one of the things um, that's historically been the case with the accounts is that unknown admin costs just always seem high. Five million that's just unknown costs that they, they can't find an actual it just doesn't get identified in the accounts because they don't have to and someone could, knows it, someone. yeah it could all be you know perfectly reasonable necessary expenditure but it's always kind of there five million quid unknown costs tell me about the unknown costs sean i'll put your socks on for you i've just done a little uh, back of the fag packet calculation and uh, sean harvey who received the pension payment, benefits and salary to the tune of £259,000 in these accounts. Do you know what that works out to? Is it, are you going to give me this in socks? £700 a day. £700 every day before it's like tax. A, it's like a, a West Stand season ticket every day. <laughs> Imagine, you could you could sit in a different seat, even whether there's a game on or not. <laughs> Preferably when there isn't. Yeah. For, I mean, joking aside, this is the chief executive of a business that has no cash. Yeah. And... I don't want to say it's on its arse, but... Well, luckily, GFH have uh, kept him on as chief executive because uh, they'll benefit from his experience of the club. <laughs> he, he knows his way around the club. As long as he doesn't know his way around the accounts, though, very well, because no. he, he's lost all the money. Max Spencer's he does. That's I mean, the important things here as well, um, Yorkshire Radio and the Pavilion collectively owe the, club, the football club 3.7 million quid. Mm-hmm. And the football club owes the parent company and the media company 600 grand. Mm-hmm. So there's this money going around in triangles. And all, just... of these, all of these side businesses that are meant to earn money to pay for a successful football team, it's kind of, it seems to have actually seems to have gone the wrong way around. I think, I think it's something's been set up wrong. So we've got, a, <laughs> we've got a football team funding unsuccessful businesses. Well, the pavilion lost something... How does the pavilion lose... How does it lose money? Well, it None lo- of this makes sense. It had a lot of setup costs in its first year. And so everyone's like, well, you know... I've heard Yorkshire Radio. How do they lose money? <laughs> it's cause, well, first year of the pavilion, never going to make money because it sets up costs. Second year is when it'll start. It lost more. It lost <laughs> It lost more in the second year than it did in the first. But as well, we, have we not now mortgaged off um, the catering rights to Compass? So we're going to yeah. make... No, Nothing. We, we, we've now received a lump sum up front, I dare say, from Compass, which has been secured as well in the form of a mortgage with the club for what yeah. a couple of million quid. Five years of catering profits gone. At least we've got the season ticket money. And I've got, yeah, of course, the, a big swathe of that. What is it going to be? I think it's five or six million quid is going to Ticketus LLP, who were the ones who were involved in the yeah, Rangers. But, but at least we've got the um, money from sponsors like Enterprise Insurance coming in. But hang on a second. <laughs> you know what's coming, don't you? Anyway. Yeah. We're borrowing money from them. We've done this a lot of times, but it basically paints a picture of a situation that wasn't very rosy in June. Now, it's a club that had been running to the ground. And Everything it can't be can stressed be enough. Yeah. Has it, been sold. And if you want to know why Ken suddenly wanted uh, or suddenly was willing to entertain a takeover, it's because we were going to go bust if he carried on like this. There's absolutely no way. He just had to hand it over to somebody with some money, which is easy. It only takes 
10 years to negotiate it or whatever it was. Because this is June, and so it's based on last season. And the first half of this season, I don't think we've made any more money through gate receipts or... I don't think the cash flow position has particularly improved, so I don't know what. Well, there was GFH the figure of twenty three thousand break even for attendances. Yeah, and well. we that was last season. We weren't hitting that. We've yeah. been and seven, the, eight thousand under that. And it's worth saying, yeah, and, and obviously that with all these things being mortgaged off, such as the catering rights, is that that money's not flowing back into the club. It's already mm. accounted for now. Mm. That money's not coming in. There are still certain good luck, Salem, things, though, because. For example, our wages to turnover ratio increased from 51% to 57%. But 57% is still very low. Yeah, and that's it's because... That's only because of the income. In terms of football clubs. And yet, we still lose loads of money. And that's yeah. worth saying as well, that's the whole business. That's not the wages to turnover for the football side, which is mm. still probably the lowest in the division, at about 40-odd mm. percent. And yet, we still, as a business, lose money. And you just look at things like admin costs and pavilion, yeah. and things like that, you think, these are surely things that, don't need to be there. I keep thinking back to you know Peter Ridsdale got defined by it was the it was the goldfish when the goldfish story came out and now it's always the the Peter's goldfish era. I keep thinking back to another Peter Lorimer last February when he said people keep having a go at me and at Ken and Sean, but what they got to understand is we've done bugger all wrong, and that was two months before these accounts are dated. Bugger all wrong. And also, at least Peter only had fish. Ken's got a, a small radio presenter. <laughs> if you put him in a, a tank full of water and see how long he lasts. Well, let's let's do... I'd watch that on LUTV. Let's the do, drowning of Ben Fry. <laughs> let's do what... We don't mean that, by the way, just in case any solicitors are listening. It's just a joke. No, um, watch it on YouTube. Re-upload it. Let's do what was said in the press conference and let's look forward to a bright future. What do they need to do now to get the fans back and turn this around financially. Kill Ken. Buy, um, kill, yeah, kill Ken. Buy Neil a copy of Inverting the Pyramid and make him read it this time because he's probably, I imagine he's probably got his uh, downstairs toilets, probably just the shelves are just stacked with copies of Inverting the Pyramid that he's got every Christmas and birthday from well He thinks it's something about Egypt. He's not yeah. interested. <laughs> oh, I love Egyptology. You mean great, great history. Hey, that's camels, eh? <laughs> Camels. When they when they come up, they, they spit in your uh, they spit in your wife's face. And uh, one of them. Oh, it's terrific. We, we went over we went over with the. Uh, I, I went over with the wife and uh, and brownie, and uh, this camel came over. And it spat in the wife's face. I was like, I was laughing with his socks off, and then it spat in brownie's face, and I, I fucking chinned it. I'm not having an old, an old camel spitting at brownie. Do what you want to my wife. Never spit at brownie. And that's uh, I had that conversation with uh, with uh, with uh, El Adj when he turned up because he's a he's a lovely lad. We have had our problems really. I told him because uh, he spat at people in the past, and I just said, you know, if you if you feel the need to spit at anybody, you know, my 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 wife is always uh, always available. But if uh, if you spit at Brownie, you get the camel treatment, and you don't want to know what happened to that camel. Indeed, Shukran. Um, We're signing it. It's what, got a long neck. You see, it can get on the end. What do they need to do? <laughs> Back to the question. The what? obvious thing would be to buy us some good players. Yeah. But say, for example, they had five million quid to spend on players. I don't want Warnock to be given five million quid to do some kind of Sheffield United reunion. Who's left? Who I don't know. He'll, buy, he'll find some shit house. Shed Evans. Be... <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> Him and Jufy, they get along great. We need to well, let's let's formulate a TSB bullet point plan to rescue Leeds United and make us great again. Good players is where it starts. Don't um, sell Becky Yeah, don't sell Becky Don't sell so McCormack. Keep, so keep good players. Keep good yeah. players. Get Sign better ones. Good players. Because at the moment, I do all the kind of the PR stuff and the tickets for less and half season tickets. I think Michael had right. It's all quite obvious. I'm glad they're doing it, but I'm waiting for where's going to be the big thing. Where's yeah. the th- where do you actually show your skills? Because they're do basically. What well, do you think the season tickets will will be a big um, line in the sand in that respect of how low they can go? Well, okay. I mean, for the, next season, you yeah, mean? where they turn around and where say, right, no, I meant in terms of cost. Yeah, we're not yeah. we're not going to dump it on you uh, straight after Christmas, which obviously they haven't because they've been busy trying to sell tickets for this season, which yeah. is a good idea. But they, they turn around and say, right, let's do it sensibly. Let's do it. You know, 450 quid. There is, there's your marker. Well, this is the, the starting point. Is that going to be a big enough gesture or, is it, or do we need to see more? I, I need more. Um, I don't want to dismiss stuff like that, like some kind of horrible um, Oscar Wilde-ish aunt. But I need something more than just ticket prices being fiddled with. It's It's got to be... There's got to be hap- something has to happen on the football side. They need a marquee signing. I would. You you could go in and sort the ticket prices out. It's not difficult. You could do it. Yeah. You just did. You just came up with a figure that sounds totally reasonable to me. As long as it checks out, run it through um, Sean's secretary's calculator. Make sure it's all right and do it. It's pretty easy. I want to see what their skill is, what their their actual what they're bringing to it more than just Jägermeister in the rock bar and and a lot of retweets. And some dogs in lead scarves. Dogs in lead scarves. You know, something football-ish that sort of shows something. I know what you mean. Different. At the root of it, do we need a culture change? Maybe is that if they were to come out and say we're. Uh, I'm not talking about yogurt, by the way. <laughs> with all the uh, stuff about how they're going to flip the club, and they denied it. So if they were to say we're going to be here for ten years, Wilco-esque at least. So we plan to be here for ten years, and. Um, Although uh, the Premier League sounds great, we want to build it long term and just say we're going to whack all the money we've got is being whacked into the academy. And it's a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Going to the academy is going to be brilliant. That would be nice because at least then you say, "Yeah, that sounds good." Your trusts are going to be here for long term. It's a long term idea, and it shows some thought about the football side. And also, 
the business side. Sell a sell a youth player if it, if it comes through and and they're good and the club still isn't quite there. Build it. Build build the football club, not the hotel. I think one problem they're faced with at the moment is that they've got a manager who is only committed till the end of the season. And I think is it fair to say the majority of fans? I'd say certainly the majority of match going fans and away fans who are the the real core support. I think have turned against him a bit. But what Neil says, the hardcore supporters are with him. Yeah, it's a bit like Ken with his silent majority, though. Yeah. To ret- well, to return to a question we've we've sort of posed early but never really answered: has has he lost the fans and can he get this back? I don't. I, he could, but I don't think he's capable of change. I don't think he's all of a sudden going to have us playing decent football. This and big I don't, road to Damascus moment in the last five years of his career. It, I don't think he's going to say, "Oh, do you know, I've I've watched some videos of our games, and you're right." We're shit. <laughs> playing four central midfielders in in across a four doesn't work, and playing a, a right back at um at, at left back doesn't work. It's not going to happen, is it? He's just going to keep doing what he's always done, which admittedly well, he hasn't got the players to do that, has he? At times it has worked, but at QPR he had a much better team than we've got now. Yeah, but the thing is, you see what he bought in the summer, and you and we, everyone sort of made the excuse for him, didn't they? Well, you know, he's just getting these players in now as little stop gaps. The, the bigger, better signings, the flair players are still to come, but they never did. He's just stockpiling identikit midfielders. The thing is, it's kind of, it's all pointless now, because um, isn't it basically going to be statistically magical if we get into the playoffs? I think we need, we need uh, 31 points from 54 we need, we, we reckon, this based is... on the average. That'd be give, like, that'd give us 71 or something. Right, and the chances of us even doing that. I think it just seems like, it seems so unlikely that we're going to get into the playoffs and get promoted. And it seems so unlikely that Warnock's going to improve it that I think there's almost an actually where people don't want him to even try. It's like, if he's going to sign another crap player, it's like the reaction to Dindan, which is just a rumour and everyone's just, is, this is ruining the club. Another another Portsmouth reject. And it's all we expect and it's all we think he's going to do. Even putting Juve on an 18-month contract and Tongue on a two-and-a-half-year contract, well, you're not going to be here, so why are you doing it? Nobody believes in Neil Warnock anymore because nobody thinks he's going to be here Nobody thinks he's going to do this season what he was supposed to do this season, what he said he'd do this season, because we think it's gone. And nobody believes that he's going to be here next season, so there's no point in him I mean, being Christ, here to do that. Even when he came in last season, he had enough time with a really good run to get us in the playoffs. Yeah. As it was, we dropped like a stone. Well, and that, he, his, his, <laughs> his form he took, the run he took us on was relegation. That was the, uh, the whole rationale for second grace, and was we think a new man will be able to get this squad into the playoffs. That's what they said, and we just went completely the other way. Um, and then it quickly became, because um, that was uh, Turncoat Lorimer did his, uh, oh, we think uh, Neil Warnock, when he comes in, he'll be able to, he'll, he'll look at this group of players, he'll get the best out of them, and he'll get us into the playoffs. And then a few weeks later, when Warnock basically coming on weeping after after games, he's a Lorimer again, he's like, oh, well, he's had a look at the squad, and you know, Neil knows what he's talking about, and he knows they're not good enough. It's Grayson's fault, really, for signing them. Yeah. So, uh... And it's, we're at that now where what we do- want to see some better players. But we don't want, we don't really see the point in getting them now because we know Neil's not going to be able to do with them what we want him to do. I just worry he'll sign players who are about thirty, who are just all right. Well, there was, I saw the reporting in a paper down south. I think said uh, about Sean Derry getting a year's extension on his contract, and it was uh, Neil Warnock uh, disappointed in his hope, and it was his, in his hopes of signing Sean Derry in the summer. I was like. I thought it was some journalist that wrote this had not sort of read the script. But, I mean, what's Derry going to be? 
50 coming up in the summer. It's, it's like, like the constant links with Clint Hill as well. It just yeah. makes me want to mm. bang my head against the wall. It's not going to help. That's the thing. It's not going to help. And I don't know what will. What would help? Chuck in the youngsters. Chuck yeah. in the youngsters. Well, we've got to that point, haven't we now? But it's, it's not even short term. It's just making the numbers up. Yeah. The players yeah. he's bringing in. That's a problem. Instead of pretending that just asking them to pass a bit against Bristol was some kind of cultural, tactical sea change, just get the players we've got and fucking go for it in games. That would do me for the rest of the season. If he just says, all right, the rest of the season we're just going to attack. Rash, rash, rash. The problem is that might just result in really long ball football, but with more strikers. Well, he can be a QPR with direct, but they had but, a few good players though. They had in in the centre of their team. They had mm. Terapt and Fowl, Fowling. Yeah, they were both actually quite well, good yeah, players. That, do, do you that, get the, do you get the sense? Sorry, do you get the sense based on what Joey Barton said, which we've referred to on in the past about when one when they might actually start doing some proper training and tactics that he almost just sends them out with a rough idea of what he wants them to do and then expects them to figure it out for themselves. Mm. We highlighted it in pre-season when about three weeks before the season started, he said, we're going to start working on tactics yes. next week. <laughs> and we'd already played about three pre-season matches and you thought, what have you been sending them out to do then if you've not had any tactics? Have you just gone, right, 4-4-2, everyone knows how to play that. I mean, you can maybe feel some sympathy with him if he was expecting in the summer to be able to sign much better players than he ended up being able to get. But... I mean, that was part of his thing was about not starting the tactics too early was waiting to get the players together that he wanted. And I think he's kind of still waiting. He's like, oh, okay, well, I'll just wait till January. And then when the takeover's done, I'll be able to get the players I want and then I can work with them. So it's almost like he's got this bunch of players. He's got the ones he likes and he's got the one that he signed that are his mates. So he's got the ones that he signed, they just signed because they were there. And then he's got the players who were here before he got here who he just feels some kind of bizarre grudge against. And he just doesn't really care about that team. He's got his imaginary Leeds United team. And he's just kind of like, oh, well, there's 10 days left of the transfer window. And, you know, if I've got Clint at the back, he knows what to do anyway. So I won't have to like mm. give him the instructions that I'm not giving to Jason Pierce. Although we like Pierce when you bought him. It'll be lazy drops. <laughs> and so he's, he's waiting for these players that in his mind's eye, he probably still thinks that Ricardo Fuller... Oh, I can convince him to come. He does anything for me, does Ricky? They're just never going to come. It will be March when we're staving off relegation. It will be like, well, surely, you know, on a non-contract basis, we can... Is Danny Webber still available? <laughs> do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, football manager, which has now become so complex that it's bloody hard to do. And you go on there, you start a game, you think, I don't, I don't bother looking at tactics, on it? Well, that's what I was going to say. You, you go in, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be Barcelona. I'm going to be Barcelona because they're brilliant, right? Yeah. And I can put them in the formation I want. I'm going to play a 4-2-3-1, and, and they're going to win. They're going to win stuff for me. And you put them on there, and you lose loads of games, and you can't figure out, these Barcelona, why, why don't they? They just should know. They yeah. should know. And you just can't get your head around exactly what's wrong. Have these are good tactics. They're all in the right positions. AML, LRC. And it never works. And that's what it seems like to me a little yeah. bit. Like, he just doesn't know how to reconcile what's going on on the pitch with what he's sending him out to do. You can never predict the team from one game to the next. You never know, is Ross McCormack going to be in? Is he going to be out? Is he going to be on the bench? Will he bring him on for five minutes? Is Sommer fit? Is he dead? Is he going to play? Is Austin fit? Can he run? Has he got a broken leg again? Can he shoot? Is he playing in defence? Why isn't Green playing? Why is Green playing in defence? 
Why are we trying the same tactics as we did against Watford when we didn't play like that last week? Why are we passing against Bristol when we weren't passing against Barnsley? I mean, who do we play next? Tottenham. What the fuck is he going to do against Tottenham? What is his big plan going to be? Michael Brown. <laughs> well, yes. And why is Michael Brown always there? He's worrying, me, one... he's worrying me at the moment as well that he, he seems to want to sign players. And the two players who I would say are certainly amongst our three or four best in Becchio and McCormack, he seems quite happy to annoy them and like mm. he would gladly see them leave. This, when I think most fans would say they're probably our best attacking players. This is, And a, I'm concerned about who he would bring in instead. This pinpoints what is a test of GFH. If we have to sell McCormack and or Becchio so that Neil Warnock has money, I'm not after Man City-style levels of spending. But I would expect these guys who've just bought a £50 million rated football club to have enough money sloshing about in their business accounts at GFH Capital. Please find the capital to just so we don't have to sell a player to buy other ones. (coughs) If anything I want from a takeover, apart from at least on the pitch, is to get away from being a sell-to-buy club because the second half of that didn't work under Bates where it was just sell to piss. Well, sell to cover the bills. Yeah. And I think if they haven't got us beyond the point of being sell to buy, then I don't see what the fucking point was in them taking over. And now let's look further to the future in this bit of the podcast and see the games that are on the horizon. Um, oh dear. We've got Tottenham, <laughs> Tottenham on Sunday and we're on the telly. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Facing his former club, Michael Brown. Just when we are riding the crest of a slump, we tend to play uh, quite well in games like these, don't we? So you, ne- you never know. <laughs> Apart from Chelsea, let's ignore that completely. Mm-hmm. Well, we occasionally turn up for these, don't we? When we had yeah. a decent manager, we did. Yeah, and when we had some good players, and we had yeah. like Snodgrass and Gradle. And, oh, yeah. I see you know, where you're coming from now. Yeah. Players who are much better side. You people, we played them last time. People who would cause the opposition some trouble, we did better. It's not um, a coincidence that it was Becchio who scored against Chelsea. Could he do it in the Premier League? Yes, because he did it against the Premier League. And he's going to score against Spurs if uh, Warnock, uh, you know, lowers himself enough to actually play him. I'll be honest, this is not going to make good listening for the Warnock family, is it, this podcast? (laughs) really isn't. Well, if Chelsea was bad, could this be worse? Mm, Bale, any good? Like Gar- Gary Ball. Well, I, th- I think um, young Sam Byron will uh, mark him out of the game. I think he will have a, a ding dong battle, and I think he may manage him quite well. And then be and sold. That's, where, yeah, that's yeah. when Spurs <laughs> yeah. will buy him. And then it's the Lennon versus uh, Peltier matchup that I'm worried about. It's going to be hopefully white because Peltier's moved in the middle because I think the damage that Jason Pierce is doing is just becoming too much <laughs> to handle. And he seemed a bit better there. At least we don't have to watch him limping up the wing with, without an idea in his head. So that's something. So we can watch uh, A.D. White having his future life ruined by uh, England and Welsh internationals. I think they'll just take it in turns. They can swap wings. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I hope that after A.D. White has had a bad game against Lennon and or Bale, that Warnock singles him out yeah. and absolutely hammers him in the media afterwards. And completely ignores the fact that Bale's uh, four goals came when he moved into the middle and uh, faced up against Brown and Tong. It's starting to sound nightmarish, isn't it? Well, it's just... I mean, he'll, the play, one, he'll play white on the right wing anyway. McCormack at left back. The one thing that Leeds United does not have this season is pace. The one thing Tottenham Hotspur have got absolutely loads of is pace. Do you remember when um, it was the... We've got a few pacemakers. The League Cup 
1992, they did a competition where they had the fastest player from each club all had like a hundred meter sprints and they used to show highlights of it before League Cup games. I remember Rod Wallace was our entry and I can't remember who won. Like John Slarko was in there and players, it was that kind of era. Tony Daly. Yeah, that, that time. Although I don't think they let him do it because he was too important. They were like, well, what if he injures himself? Can you imagine if we then, if this, instead of being Leeds United versus Tottenham Hotspur as a footballing contest, if we just had it as like a hundred metre dash? Put up, put up your five fastest players and we'll put up our five fastest players. What's Brownie's PB? <laughs> 80 metres. I don't get it because you'd have to Brown, tag team in the middle with Tong, wouldn't you? I, I remember yeah. when uh, I remember when Brownie first uh, first came through. A lot a lot of pace that lad at Manchester City, and I just don't understand what's changed. Twenty years have happened in the meantime. <laughs> they've uh, they've not done a bleep test at Thorpe Arch for a while, have they? But <laughs> no, God, no. Becky has. He has to do it every day. Just out running on his own, right, lads? Cross with, with a bungee rope attached to his yeah. back. Yeah. Cross country training for Luciano. The rest of us, coffee and cakes in the uh, in the canteen. <laughs> He's dragging. Uh, Brown and Tong on a <laughs> on a sledge on a tire <laughs> on, on a massive tire. This has got the potential to go very badly wrong. But do you fancy us to get anything out of it? What's the heart and head saying? Well, define anything. Well, what's exactly are you thinking we might let's, get out let's of it? Let's not get into metaphysics again. A goal would that do? I, I mean, really can't see us winning at all. No, we're not going to win. We're not going to draw. We're going to get beaten horribly. It depends. Just I'm thinking it just depends how badly we get beaten. They yeah. may decide that Lennon and Bale are not needed for this game, yeah. and so they might win. Livermore and Townsend? They might win 2-0 or something. We're fearing the worst with this one, are we, unfortunately, given the current state of things? Yes. Pretty much. I, I just have... I'm going to say it, double figures. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know, can't well, to be fair, the Chelsea game... Are you talking about did, the attendance? or <laughs> The Chelsea game did flatter Chelsea at 5-1. We weren't... But all the same, it, was did, a huge it didn't gulf. either, did it, though? It didn't. There it was didn't. a huge gulf between the teams, but yeah. in the end, it was just... They were just it was playground bullying, wasn't yeah. it? In the you, end, know, yeah. you used to look at these cup games, though, when we, were, when we were in League One, and you'd think, well, we've got, like, Beckford, he could get a breakaway goal, and you just cradle and Snodgrass can cause anyone problems. But you just look at our team now, and you think, no, yeah. no, I was, there's I mean, no chance. The, um, the draw at Tottenham that season, the cup was almost like a better performance than the... Uh, one at Old Trafford. The Old Brilliant, Trafford one was one iconic. Favorite, one of my favourite ever games. Snodgrass in the hole and it worked against Tottenham and the last minute penalty. It was wonderful stuff. And we played really good football against a really good Premier League team. And we were in the third division and we were better than we are now. And it's not just pure optimism, it's realism. We were optimistic in League One because we, you know, we were heading for promotion. And it's not just that we're not like heading for promotion, it's just that we're shit now. <laughs> At least we've got the chance to redeem ourselves on the first Saturday in February against our favourite team, Cardiff City, the Redbirds. We're, well, we're not going to win this. It's worth pointing out, first of all, that the kickoff's being moved. That's put one positive. It's three o'clock again now, not lunchtime, probably because there are going to be no Cardiff fans in attendance. Wasn't it? Did they say it's a reward for Cardiff fans' good behaviour? And ours. And, and now that they're not coming, and we can move it. They, they, all, they, all, they all walked out, didn't they, last time? Well, a lot of them did. Yeah, that's it? true. There were issues last time. And this is category A as well, so 36 quid um, mm. to be shepherded around, you know, by the police and forced to pick up tickets from, you know, from the service station. They say forced to pick up litter. <laughs> Punishment for us is being forced to pick up tickets, isn't it? For them, it's got to get them from a motorway service station. But yeah, the, yeah. the silly bloody reciprocal arrangement in where they make them jump through hoops to get tickets, but still, 
I don't think they're bringing many. I dare say we won't have many there at Category A prices. And the ones that they are bringing are all um, happy, clappy, we don't care what colour our shirts are or what mythical beasts are just placed on our badge for no reasons. Half scarf wearing inflatable waving uh, modern football wankers who like Craig Bellamy as a human. Have they still, they've still got him, haven't they? Yeah, I think he's been injured a bit this season. But yeah, I think uh, we may as well just watch whatever Bale does on the previous weekend and then just do that a bit more slowly. <laughs> well, the good news is we did once beat these lot 3-0. Yes, the last time we beat them 3-0. The last time we beat them at all. Oddie? <laughs> Every time. Every good, time. Good performance that in 1957, the last time we beat fucking Cardiff City. They probably had to bring passports. That was was Wales officially part of the United Kingdom in 19, the last time Cardiff lost to Leeds? Ten points clear at the top of the league. Oh, God. That's two weekends ruined then. Yeah. And they've just signed Fraser Campbell as well, who's uh, probably going to be looking to get on the, the, the goal trail. Is there anything we can draw a positive from this, or should we just skirt straight past it? God's Dave sake. Jones doesn't manage them anymore. Yeah, that's a shame. Who is their manager? Malky. Malky oh, Mackay. Malky Mackay, of course. Malcolm. I'm going to call him Malcolm. I'm not going to pander to his silly name. <laughs> is he a self-styled Malky, like the self-styled governor? He surely isn't. He's, no one's actually called Malky, are they? He must be. He must have, he must have named himself that. Dan, yeah. I, I demand you get on Wikipedia and look up Mac, Malky Mackay. <laughs> Search for Malky Mackay, true identity. You might find a weird site like that one that says Brian May's part of the Illuminati. Okay, so his Sunday name is Malcolm George Mackay Jr., Malcolm. <laughs> I quite like the name Malcolm. Well, he doesn't. I think it's a good name for a dog. Who a dog is Malcolm? <laughs> I can't whistle. Somebody whistle. Let's not. Let's just move on because we're, we're I, talking about things to avoid talking about football. I here. want to hail my dog Malcolm. Otherwise, he'll run far, far away and manage Cardiff. Um, so these two games... Imagine with a bluebird. It's like a metaphor for their new owners. Malcolm the dog with a bluebird in, in his mouth. The good news from the Spurs bleeding. game is we, it doesn't cost us any points in the league. Uh, however, Cardiff, you have to fear the worst. However, top of the table, Crystal Palace from earlier in the season came to Ellen Road and we beat them. Yeah, and Middlesbrough were up there and played really well against us and we beat them. And we're on a run at home. And this is... Uh, one of the games that Neil Warnock loves, you know, backs against the wall. Nobody expects us. Power of the underdog. Send Brownie out there. He was like a different player. So we'll have that. We'll have some Neil Warnock motivational bollocks before the game to say, no, nobody here fancies. You treat it like an away game, Varney. The Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. Let's move on to this now then. Um, who do we want to nominate for the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight award? Ken Bates for... Santa... Not that this is strictly a fortnightly period, by the way. This is a sort of a two-monthly yeah, period. We've got quite a lot to catch. Well, Ken Bates for yeah the Santa thing existing still, still being in my thoughts, the potential presidency, whether it happens or not, even the fact that it might happen or might have happened, I resent him for it. I resent him for breathing. Um, I resent him for growing a beard. Many years ago, I resent him for not shaving the beard off. I'd resent him if he was clean-shaven. If a waste it, of skin and oxygen. If it comes <laughs> if it comes to villainy, he is a villain. He's scary with his glasses on. Allegedly. And scarier without them. Yeah, God, yeah, that laser surgery. This is a fairly just, comprehensive reasoning for Ken, so we've got him down for just about everything he's done in his life ever. I think we'll just nominate him yeah, for think, this one. Since he's officially gone, it's very tempting to give him the award. Yeah, we can I just... Know we can't. Ken but, Bates, villain of the fortnight, we just nominate him for being a villain. 
Anybody wants to be brave and nominate the manager of the football club? Not that we've not given him a complete hammering for <laughs> really, the last couple I, of hours. What's he done to deserve being nominated for that thing? Let's, do, let's hurt him. In a, let's not nominate him because that won't really hurt him. Let's nominate Brownie. Oh, ah. Son of Neil. Right in his heart. My boy. And, <laughs> and we, we are quite prepared to believe that Brown definitely did shepherd the players away from the fans in an act of spite at Birmingham. He couldn't shepherd a flock of dead lambs. Yeah, it would be harder than the yeah. live ones, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. You Unless can... you're not shepherding them much. Not if you've got a... <laughs> Just stay there. <laughs> Good. There was a, a lad I... Uh, Good lamb. <laughs> a lad I knew at school did, um, did work experience on a farm and he uh, ended up with a, a sheep on the front prongs of a forklift truck and was just driving around a field. <laughs> Yeah, he ended up getting killed, getting run over. Isn't that one of the things that Alan Partridge claims farmers do? (laughs) (laughs) You get sheep on forklift trucks. Maybe. You feed feed burgers to swans. I've forgotten his name now, but he was absolutely mad. (laughs) Right, I say, okay, so we're not nominating Neil. If we want to really hurt him, we're going to nominate Brownie. Another Neil, who does get a nomination, he's been been mentioned earlier, Neil Ashton of the Daily Mail. He ran a story, well, two stories, both of them showing true integrity and... A journalistic merit. The first one was an interview with Ken Bates where he just talked about him doing a fantastic job, being a lovely person, definitely not ever ripping anybody off, saving Leeds United, obviously. Um, and then in an unrelated... Gushing. Can I use the word gushing to describe it? Yes. Indeed. Um, I think it was Ken gushing upon him, mainly, which is a lovely image. I think that's what Moscow was hinting at there. So he's already uh, got a, something of a pearl necklace from, <laughs> from Ken. Oh, God. <laughs> As a gift for... Um, oh, right, for his yeah. lovely wife, Susan, yes. like the family pearls. Exactly. Um, and then it was an unrelated story, the Daily Mail, which is a fine newspaper, decided to run a story about Gary Cooper, the Lust chairman. Now, I'll tell you what, uh, that's definitely in the public interest oh, for yeah. a national newspaper. I mean, everyone you know? knows who he is. I mean, like, everyone was talking about it at work. Everyone was like, oh, have you seen this? It's like... Well, he, according to the story, he uh, was one of the, the oh, people the, trying to buy buyer. Leeds United. Yes, yeah, a potential mm. buyer of Leeds United. Yeah. Which, given that the rest of the story went on about <laughs> how he'd, um, through the difficulties in his brother's life, in the process of bailing him out, Gary had seen a business go under and lost his house. Um, how, while that was going on, he also intended to buy Leeds United at the same time. Mm. And he also his, specified that he works for whole city council. The monster. Um, but which, you know, you can imagine probably loads of... Public sector loads layabout. Of, loads of public sector workers try and buy football clubs, don't they? Because they've got, because they're generally s- swimming in cash. Yeah. Any other nominations in this uh, raft of uh, bad, bad men? Um, can I nominate Eric Backer? Because when we were having a lovely chat interviewing um, Alfie Harland and, and Gunnar Haller... He for, crashed for, his um, car through the front window, <laughs> no? For issue five of the Square Ball For issue five of the Square Ball. Discussed on the podcast. Well, we can just, you can still buy it on the, the website. The lost issue. <laughs> the lost issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were having a lovely time chatting to them. And we just got to the point when Alfie Harland said... Remember when um, uh, Rob Molinar got all the players together and said, no way should David O'Leary be manager of this football club. And we were, wow, this sounds amazing. Then bloody Eric Backer turns up and is all distracting, had nothing particularly of interest to say. We didn't really want to talk to him. I mean, nothing against uh, Mr. Backer. He was a good good player when he was fit. And Alfie did joke that, have you just got in? 
Bear in yes. mind that was 11 o'clock at the morning. <laughs> but it, but we then uh, we then had to kind of put up with him. He sort of sat there as if he wanted to be interviewed and we really just wanted to talk to Alfie and Gunnar. So for, for just for being a bit of a gooseberry. And as for Tor Andre Flo, he just didn't speak to him at all. <laughs> didn't recognise him, that's why. Very old looking man. Yeah. He's... He must have a Kanu style passport because he looked... <laughs> He could have passed for a man in his 60s. So he looked like a, a, a dried pea on top of a drinking straw. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was, you know, him and uh, we sound bitter. Him and Eric were both very nice to us. And we did ask, you know, Eric did say some things we just didn't particularly listen to. Let's tie up the villain of the Fortnite Award then. We've got Ken Bates for everything. Uh, Neil Ashton for gushing. Eric Backer for being a gooseberry. And Brown and Varney for their sense of humour bypass. Well, we nominated Brown in lieu of uh, Neil Warnock. Viney's getting lumped in there for just being generally irritating. Yeah, Neil Ashton because he didn't have to do that. Oh, I think you find he a, did. He's a he's a journal. He's he is by any stretch a successful journalist. He hosts Sky Sports Sunday Supplement thing. He writes for a, admittedly shit, but national newspaper. He he doesn't just don't do it. What's, what, You've got better things to do in your life, Neil. What did he get back from Ken Bates? And what what newspaper benefits from having a page just having a, a story praising Ken Bates? And more to the point, this was a guy who was very gushing about the Leveson Inquiry yeah. um, and saying how he, I don't want to be tarred with that brush. You know, some of us have integrity and blah. Fuck off. I'm quite happy to do the bidding of a multimillionaire to, so I can slag off a bloke who works for whole council and he's trying to do his best for Leeds United. Neil Ashton. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. What a journalist. You shove that award. The Pulitzer Prize is surely on its way to well, you. The Ken Bates film of the Fortnite is definitely on its way to him. And he gets it multiple times for all the Fortnites that we weren't able to nominate him. <laughs> he's been a prick in every one of those. Yep. <laughs> Even when he's not published anything. His hiding on Twitter was brilliant as well because he got so much abuse for it and he just disappeared entirely for a few days and then he started tweeting about the Champions League draw and he just had instantly loads of Leeds fans in touch with him saying, what about this though, eh? I was going to say, we, we do get a bit hysterical as a, a group of fans on Twitter sometimes, perhaps because there's so many of us, but it can manifest itself in positive ways such as that, yeah. like attacking journalists. Yeah, it probably ruined his day, probably ruined his week, so I think a lot, an awful lot of complaints went into the Press Complaints Commission as well, mm. which has no doubt fucked him up slightly. Yes. So excellent work. Well done all those Because those, uh, those complaints are actually being taken forward as well. Good. Good. Let's hope he gets sacked along with Neil Warnock, Ben Fry, <laughs> Michael Brown, <laughs> Michael Brown. The uh, the doll queue is getting ever longer. We'll have there'll be a, a UB40 song just about those four. Any other business? Uh, so a quick shout out to uh, Les and the Edgy Whites, who I met a long, long time ago, just after the last, last pod, uh, at the Palace game, because they managed to get a copy of the Square Ball Mag in the official program. Well done, lads. Yeah. So. I don't, I, well don't, done, I don't even entirely know where Edry is. I know it's Scotland. I know, I know it's in Scotland, but where is it? It sounds like a long way away. It's up, you know, just around the corner from Scotland. Thingy. Yeah, it's in just up the, <laughs> up the near, top. It's up, near uh, up the M6A1 neck of the woods. It's near one of the locks. Yeah, yeah. It's famous for its um, being near the locks. Yes. Uh, it, I was going to say for like its, whiskey distillery. Oh, yeah, that one. Yes. And there's a, yeah. that um, shortbread factory. <laughs> <laughs> Covered in tartan. <laughs> yeah, Iron Brew, yeah, come on. Right, okay, let's move on. Um, issue five of the magazine, the lost issue, that went out. That was our Norwegian interview one, a fine issue. It had loads of good stuff in it. Yeah. I would go onto our website and buy one if I, I missed buying it, right just now. because we didn't advertise it on a podcast. Yeah. Surely. And issue six is the one that's out at the moment. It came out uh, for the Bristol game, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Fine cover from a young man called Joe Gamble. Yeah. Uh, very artistic uh, 
minimalist shot of classic Leeds United players with the word Leeds scrawled over. Very nice. It is an immensely attractive thing. And he did good pictures inside of Fabian Delph because uh, John Howe wrote an article about Fab Delph and his kind of drifting post-Leeds career, at least compared to the magic that was his uh, early time at Leeds. So worth looking at and worth reading. We've taken a, um, we've covered the story that, that Newsnight refused to, that of Ellie, Ellie the Elephant. We're, we're kind of, it's a bit of an exclusive. Yeah. It's going to go. All I'm saying is a wandering trunk, that's all. Yeah, no no middle-aged man in the family stand was safe in the mid-90s. It's, it's, it's a disgusting expose, isn't it? Just there to entertain children, ignored them, and just latched straight onto 40-year-old blokes. Sickening stuff. Sickening. You never got that kind of stuff from Wellyfant. Anyway, Amitai Winehouse takes an early opportunity to stick the boot into uh, Neil Warnock. And the the image alongside that is also one of the favourite, my favourite things in the magazine of late. It's just, uh, um, it's a picture of Neil Warnock's face and there are some words written over it. Um, and it's worth the pound just to buy the PDF and then pay another £1.50 when you realise how good it is because you want a copy to frame. And what else is in the damn thing? There's an excellent article from Andy P about the upcoming Wish You Were Here book. About the 80s. Casuals. Casuals. Oh, it's a brilliant. Yes. I love, love those pics. Pringle jumpers and all that sort of stuff everywhere, isn't it? Flick haircuts. Um, and Adam Jobb as well, who is Ken underscore Demange on Twitter, has a go at the whole Twitter thing of happy January 3rd, says we're a bunch of tin pot bastards. He's wrong. Is he? Yeah, he's completely wrong. Okay. Every, every word of that article is wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, I saw him being taken to task about it yesterday, and I was yeah, completely agreeing. He's wrong. Okay. Uh, I think we should celebrate January the 3rd for as long as we feel like it, because what else are we going to celebrate? It's fun. doesn't matter if we were a third division team. It was brilliant. The fact that, that the only time Man United had been knocked out of the cup by a third division team, and it was Leeds United that did it. Like, we almost what relegated two divisions to do, do it that. to them. Yeah. And then go up again. Of course we should revel in it, gloat in it, enjoy it. What else have we got to enjoy? So, and, and any worry, anybody worries about looking tin pot... I don't care what it looks like. There's too much fear. With oh, we can't sing that song because it's tin pot. Oh, we can't enjoy that match because it's tin pot. Other people might laugh at us. Laugh at the Norwich City Chaos crew. We're not at that level. That's a brilliant Twitter account. Whether it it's is. real or parody, I love it. It's great. Um, also in the mag, there is a great article from uh, Jailhouse John who, for his sins, even predates Oddie, actually, and was going to Leeds United in the 1950s. Remembers John Charles in the flesh and all the rest of it. He used to give Oddie a toffee outside <laughs> yeah, he's the been, <laughs> He's been writing a series of articles about ye olden days, hasn't he, for us, which are all very, very fine things indeed. And there's one here, uh, Wally Arnold away days, and it's just about what it used to be like going on away trips in the 1950s. It's got two lovely angles to that article. One is the uh, coach trip article. The other is mum's anxiety to follow Leeds United away but not being allowed to go without the men of the family and that kind of it's just it's a really sweet thing and there's loads of other great stuff in there all the usual nonsense like the diary and heroes and villains and the last word buy it is all we're saying buy it it's you cheap buy lots of good them. you can read it during the Spurs game you can shield shield your eyes with it That's, yeah could we get a campaign going so everybody in the East Stand when Spurs score their ninth goal they all just start reading the square ball and just hold it up to their faces please do that well, we've been we'll, do a special, we'll do a special issue with the eye holes cut out or if yes. you're in the West Stand you can buy a full box and drop them on Colin <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, listen, we've been sat here gassing on for what feels like days now. So let's. We should ra- do this more often. We should. Let's let's do it again soon. In a couple of weeks, shall we? I reckon about two weeks tomorrow. Excellent. Let's do that. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight then. Um, until then, we will sign off this mammoth double whammy double thickness uh, podcast of ours. Girthcast. Girthcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Good word. We'll use that again. Girthcast. Just write that down. Girthcast. Uh, the Square Ball podcast will return in a fortnight, all being well. And thank you very much for sitting through us for the last 14 hours or whatever it's been. And just remember, you've been asking for this yeah, yeah. for what seems like months and months. So if you're miserable at the end now, you've only it's your own bloody blame. fault. Yeah, you only got yourself to blame. Colin's wife. So I'll say goodbye. Goodbye from Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We will speak to you again in a fortnight. And just to cap it all off, to make you feel even worse, fucking Bradford City have just got to Wembley. Oh, leave them alone. I'm quite pleased. Can we blame Warnock for this? It's and Asian Grey. never if they had Brownie playing. <laughs> the Square Ball Podcast. Supported by thegelderdan.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.